Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Sri Srinivasan, Chief Digital Officer at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the co-founder of SAJA, the South Asian Journalist Association. SAJA is so delighted to come together again with our friends at SAMA to talk about the Oscars. We do our annual Super Bowl webcast, and this is our annual Oscar webcast. We're going to talk about what's happening in the world of uh, Hollywood, maybe a little Bollywood in there as well. And there's so much happening that uh, in the light of Oscar so white, there are many issues that we all need to be thinking about. I want to now introduce our uh, our partner in crime on this, our fo- our friend from Sama, Raj Shah. Rajan Shah, welcome to the show. He's at Rajan Shah. Um, please say hello. Hey, Sri. Really looking forward to the conversation as every year. And on behalf of Sama, always great to partner with Saja uh, on this event. There's always so much happening with South Asians across the media and entertainment and marketing landscape that it's always exciting to dig into some of these issues with kind of leading thinkers in the film industry uh, every time this season. So it's great to do this with you guys again. And, and Rajan, you, know, you want to tell them about your, what, about Sama's plans this year? What's happening? How can people get involved? Yeah, uh, we have spent uh, the last year trying to uh, rebuild the organization and, and think about what direction we want to go in. And we're really excited that over the next year, we're going to be driving a very large fundraising uh, initiative to help uh, reestablish SAMA, but more formally as a nonprofit and with a full-time executive director. We've had a lot of demand from many of the Hollywood studios and television networks have been excited about the work we've been doing from a diversity standpoint. So we want to be able to scale that. So we're looking forward to that. We're keeping our fingers crossed and being able to do our uh, very well-received Sama Summit this year, uh, and uh, we're, those, those plans are just starting to be put together. And over at Saja, we are also doing lots of exciting things, including uh, our annual um, awards dinner uh, is going to be this year in Washington, D.C., so we're very excited about that. And uh, we have new board members, including the next person I'm about to introduce and who's going to really co-host the show and run it for us. Our uh, new coordinator of webcasts is Geetika Rudra, who is uh, works on breaking news startup data miner, and she's at GG Geetika, G-E-E-T-I-K-A, so GG Geetika on Twitter. Hi, Geetika, and take it away. Hi, Sri. Hi, Raj. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for our show. Um, before we begin, I'd love to introduce who we have on our panel today. We have... Um, Worldwide Editor-in-Chief of BoxOfficeGuru.com, Gitesh Pandya. Hi, Gitesh. Hi, how's everyone doing? We're good, we're good. Um, we've got the producer of this year's Oscar-nominated film, Trumbo, starring Brian Cranston, Nimitz Mungan. Hi, Nimitz. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. Um, we've also got film writer and Sundance Ebert fellow, Anita Javeri, calling all the way from Singapore. Hi. Hi. Yes, I'm right here. And here to help us talk fashion and film, we've got Noor Barrara from Teen Vogue. Hi, Noor. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course, thanks for being here. 
So, as, so to begin, I was wondering, what are we all most excited for about tonight's show? Gitesh, why don't we start with you? Gitesh, before you jump in, somebody's phone is making a little extra noise, so if you're, when you're not speaking, please put the phone on mute. Thanks very much, and if you're listening, folks, please tweet us at SajaHQ or at Sri, and we'll bring your questions in, and you can also jump in. If you have a question, hit one on your dial pad, and we'll put you on the queue to answer, uh, answer uh, ask questions. Thanks. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Uh, certainly the fact that this is one of the um, uh, more unconventional races we've had in a while. Usually it comes down to two films uh, that will win Best Picture and the others sort of don't have a chance. This year, conceivably, there's four films that might take home Best Picture, given how the balloting process works. Um, so it's very interesting. A lot of them have won awards in various other places, so there's a reason why each one might uh, take it home. Uh, that would be The Revenant, Spotlight, The Big Short, and Mad Max Fury Road. I think Mad Max Fury Road will win the most Oscars overall. Um, tonight I'm projecting about six Oscars, uh, but probably at least five are a lock, uh, possibly six for the evening. So I think it's uh, you know a, a little bit of a share of the wealth. And what's interesting from a box office perspective is that you have a lot of films seen by a lot of people that will end up winning tonight, which is in contrast to certain years where you have very small films not seen by many, and that can affect uh, the public interest in the overall uh, Oscars and also on the broadcast. So I think the ratings will go up this year because so many people have seen The Revenant, Mad Max, and so on and so forth. But it's going to be a very interesting night, and I'm looking forward to seeing Chris Rock again and see how he uh, uh, jokes about uh, everything that's going on in the movie biz right now. Mimic, you've got a very exciting night ahead of ahead of you. Hopefully, what are you looking forward to? Well, I think the only the thing that I'm most looking forward to is you know everyone is expecting Leo to win Best Actor, and um, mm-hmm. you know we have we have Brian Cranston uh, who's actually you know up for it as well. So obviously I'm biased, but but I, I love to work with Brian. He's an incredible man. He's an incredible actor, and I think. Um, the story of Dalton Trumbo is an incredibly relevant one, um, just in the light of, you know, what we've had in the last couple of years with Edward Snowden and uh, um, and government overreach uh, into civil liberties. Um, I think it would be kind of fantastic to see Brian win it, but um, that, I think for me it's going to be the best actor nominee. But I'm also interested in seeing uh, who is going to pull off the uh, best picture because I know The Revenant is sort of uh, is sort of favored to win, but I think there are a lot of great films this year. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a few upsets. If, if everything sort of goes according to most people's plans, um, I think uh, I'd be a little bit bummed. I think there are a couple of wild cards out there, and uh, I think the Oscars become more exciting when those wild cards play out. Yeah, and everyone is rooting for Leo, but Best Actor does seem to be a very tight race this year. Um, Anisha, the Oscars, they, a lot of like small independent films got a lot of love from the Academy this year. What are you looking for tonight? Tonight. Um, well, more than the film itself, I think it's just kind of the conversation that's been going on, on um, as a result of the Oscar nominations. Um, and I, I know we'll get to it later, but for, for me, it's more the fact that um, it, it's Chris Rock hosting again, and I really am mm-hmm. seeing. He's got a very smart way of handling these kind of issues, and I want to see, um, you know, the balance with which he strikes the, the diversity issue this time, because he's got to balance humor, but, you know, he's 
playing into uh, the academy sensibilities, which is also kind of conservative. So I really want to see how he strikes that balance. And Noor, what are you what are you looking forward to tonight's show? Um, I think it's just really interesting to me to see sort of all of the movies that are nominated in terms of um, there just being a really strong kind of feminism streak or women's rights across the board. Um, also, just like themes of sexuality are seriously being, I guess, addressed between like Carol and the Danish girl and even Mad Max Fury Road is like all about really strong women and, and that kind of whole mm-hmm. thing, and, which I think is such such a huge thing in the larger conversation these days. So it'll be really interesting to see if that comes up either through people's speeches when they win or if they're, it's mentioned by the hosts. Yeah, that's such a great point. We, we're seeing so many, so many films that are telling the stories of people who normally wouldn't be having their stories told, whether they're minorities or whether they're um, a female, etc. So I guess let's talk about what everyone else is talking about. Are the Oscars so white? Uh, Anisha, do you want to begin? Sure. Um, so, you, so to specifically answer that question, are the Oscars still white? Yeah. What do you think? Um, well, yeah. I mean, in this, in the the case of this year, um, as well as last year, yes, I would say definitely they are. Um, it's uh, it's just you know, while I would say that the films that are in the nomination categories aren't you know, all undeserving of it, I do think that it's a very um, misrepresented group of, it's it's just very misrepresentative of the range of movies that are actually out there, and um, it's just very surprising to me as well that uh, after the kind of um, response that the Academy received last year for, you know, the very same thing, Oscar So White, that um, it would be just as much, if not even more, of an issue this year, um, and that was very surprising for me to see. Um, and uh, you know, I think that the only way to really get around it is to just keep making noise about it. It just can't be one thing that comes up, oh, like in in full force during the Oscar season, um, and then it goes away. And uh, you know, it kind of comes up again in little waves throughout the year, but it's only during this season that it really. Um, comes up as an issue, and we saw people from all corners talking about it, and I think that kind of conversation really needs to continue throughout the year, so that there's more pressure put on giving mm-hmm. people more of a voice and more of a stage. Yeah, Nimis, as a as a producer, how do you think that you know we can get more minority stories on screen? Um, you know, I think there's, I think part of the reason why we're not seeing as many. Uh, minorities on screen I think partially has to do in which the way movies are financed uh, and sort of mm-hmm. the economics of movies uh, I think uh, you know and, and, and part of that also has to do with the disappearance of uh, or the transfer of home video from like DVD to to uh, online uh, you know the studios are facing a lot of margin pressure and, and financiers and movies are, are facing a lot of uh, margin pressure um, so I think at the same time, however, you have these new outlets like Netflix and Hulu and and companies and Amazon, especially that have made a bid to really enter the market aggressively. Uh, so I think actually after this year, um, this year in particular was sort of a watershed year, both for you know the conversation of Oscar So White, but also uh, the economics of film distribution. I mean, Netflix and Sundance, Netflix and Amazon were two of the most aggressive buyers at Sundance. 
And because their business model doesn't necessarily isn't dependent on on on, on pre sales and, and you know, they're not taking a lot of risk on movies because they've got an established subscriber base. And I think the diversity of the movie going population uh, that are also subscribers to both services create an opportunity for companies like that to really step up and finance uh, thought-provoking and smart films uh, with, you know, minorities, at least minorities in the United States. I mean, Netflix just opened up mm-hmm. in India. And uh, from friends of mine who are there, uh, the number of people who are, who are signing up uh, is, is pretty extraordinary. So I think we're going to see a lot more, just a lot more minorities in films, and we're going to have more shot, more bites at the apple um, over the coming years simply because of this new distribution paradigm. Uh, so I'm actually kind of excited that this conversation is happening now while there's actually a opportunity in the marketplace for people to get movies financed through these new distribution rooms. Yeah, Nimitz, this is Raj. Sorry. Go ahead, Raj. Oh, good to go. I was just going to add to that. I I can't, uh, you know, from my perspective and just some of the speakers that we've had at Sama before, I think Nimitz's point is a really strong one. And and I think think Helen Mirren did a really nice job, even though she came under a lot of fire for some of her commentary around... Uh, saying that you know it's been a little unfair to both the Oscars and the Academy and to the people that have been nominated, because the issue may not just be, uh, you know, it's about the Academy, but it's really about kind of the infrastructure of the business. And you know, are there really? I think someone mentioned there's so many other films out there that are diverse, and I'm not sure if that's really the case. I mean, I know the one that got, you know, I was really surprised to get nominated was Straight Outta Compton, uh, which you know was really a not only a very successful film from a box office perspective, but I think a lot of people would argue artistically was a very strong film. And uh, so I, I, I think that the structure of the film industry is ripe for change, and I think it's starting to happen. It's interesting. I make a parallel, and I'd love Githish's thoughts on this, because I know he commented on this in the public recently. Is that I, I parallel this a little bit to television, uh, Nimit. Uh, you know, you think about a space where we don't have a lot of those same type of issues. Now, there are certainly folks that are going to argue that we still need more diversity in television. I think that's very true. But at a time when you have Master of None and, you know, the Netflixes and the Amazons of the world that are in breaking down the, you know, kind of the traditional way that you go about making a television program, it's allowing a lot more stories to be told and, and make visible to the rest of the world. And I think that's a really... Um, I, I see some light there at the end of the tunnel combined with some of the adjustments that they're making to the voting process, you know, at the Academy. Yeah, you know, I, this is Nimit again. Um, you know, there's one little anecdotal, uh, one little story. My first movie was a little film called Today's Special, which was a food movie starring Asif Mandi, Mandi Jaffrey, Nasruddin Shah. And, um, you know, we made that movie and we had hoped that we would be able to reach two audiences. One would be uh, foodies, um, which we thought was kind of a broad audience. Uh, and we were hoping that the South Asian community would come out and support the film um, in a really big way because uh, it was a South Asian cast and it was shot here in New York. Uh, and despite all the positive critical acclaim we got, um, I was shocked when I went to Edison, New Jersey and all these these enclaves where there are large South Asian populations and 
I didn't understand why we only did $120 worth of box office opening weekend in, in North Brunswick, New Jersey. And when I literally drove to the theater, I thought maybe something was wrong with the projector or something. And they told me that Indian folks don't come to see movies in the theaters uh, unless uh, when it's in English. When it's in Hindi, Tamil, Gujarati, they flock to the theaters. But you can't get them to come in for an English language film. At least that was my experience with that film, which uh, was heartbreaking at the time. Um, but you know, looking at the number of reviews we've had on Netflix and on Amazon, um, it strikes me that the population of South Asians that have seen the film have all seen it online. And um, so I feel like in many ways, you know, it's, it's harder and harder these days for audiences to come out and show up opening weekend because that's been the metrics for, for you know, the last hundred years of, of film, like how movies do when they open and how long they can hold their theaters. But I think with digital distribution, we're going to have an opportunity to short-circuit that box office uh, paradigm and actually get directly to consumers uh, in their own homes. And, I, and that will actually do two things. One, it'll increase the opportunity for us to make movies and get them financed. But secondly, we'll actually reach the audience, and the audience is going to be able to come out and, and opening weekend and just turn on their television and watch it. So in that sense... I'm super stoked. Uh, I, I don't think we've had that. I don't think we've had this rich of an opportunity uh, to bring diverse content. Um, you know, I don't think at least the South Asian community in this country making films hasn't had that opportunity in a long time or ever. Nimit, you know, you were talking earlier about financing and getting you too, and I'm just wondering what do you both make of Reliance Entertainment, and I feel like the company is, placed, is playing a bigger role in film financing. Reliance Entertainment financed Bridges Spies this year. Um, they previously previously financed um, War Horse and Lincoln, um, which both did very well. Do you think producers or Hollywood is going to go increasingly looking towards India for film financing? Well, I can jump in here a little bit. Uh, Reliance is a company I work with uh, for many years, so um, you know they, they have different um, divisions who handle different mm-hmm. kinds of films. So uh, you know, there's one division that works on the Bollywood films that open up uh, around the world, and then there's uh, the part of Reliance that has a deal with uh, Spielberg's company to mm-hmm. finance half of the, his uh, slate of films. And you know, to be honest yeah. with you, that, that's a sort of like a savior um, uh, with, with uh, DreamWorks uh, Pictures, uh, which used to be going out through um, uh, uh, Disney and so on. And so a lot of these movies like Lincoln and War Horse are partially financed by money that comes from Reliance. Um, there's not too many Reliances in India. So as far as going to you know other large companies with the capital to invest in uh, a, a lot of big projects over here, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be hard to find more of those examples that come out, at least on the scale of what, um, you know, someone like Steven Spielberg is doing, uh, because uh, the U.S. has arguably the most expensive film productions in the world. So if you go, you know, every country makes movies. There are a good 40, 50 countries that make a significant amount of movies every year. But when you look at the budgets, uh, you know, the scale that the U.S. is involved in is different than the U.K., France, Germany, Japan, Korea, so on, um, China even, certainly India. So, um, you know, uh, 
possibly we might see other uh, funders like that, but I think that a lot of um, you know outside financing that Hollywood's looking for will come from China or Europe. Uh, certainly, Germany is involved in a lot of uh, financing of mm-hmm. films. So, um, you know, there's that. Uh, getting back to the Oscars, I have to say one thing that I'm looking forward to is that we might see a record broken at the Oscars today with a record number of Patels on the stage at the Oscars on one night. Uh, Dev Patel is going to uh, be a presenter. We know that. That's guaranteed, unless he gets sick today. Uh, and then you've got uh, possibly Sanjay Patel uh, if he wins for uh, animated short. Uh, so we could actually have two Patels on stage during the day out of a possible four or more Daisies uh uh, in general, because you do have Priyanka Chopra presenting, and you've also got mm-hmm. uh, Asif Kapadia uh, as a front runner to win in the feature documentary category. So, you know, uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, Daisies up there. Yeah, and to add, we also have We also have to add to that list of Daisies tonight. We also have Charmaine Obeid, whose interview we're going to be featuring um, in the later half of the show. Um, who's nominated for who's not whose documentary A Girl in the River is nominated for best best short documentary. So yeah, great representation tonight. Well, I was going to ask Anisha. You know, uh, Anisha made a comment earlier about uh, I believe it was Anisha about the greater diversity we're seeing in film when it comes to issues such as uh, you know women's empowerment uh, or the LGBT community. Uh, I think another theme, I mean, I think that echoes that there is some growing diversity. It just may not be of color. I find it also interesting that we talk about Oscars so white, and sometimes I wanted to almost put a hashtag out there saying Oscars a bit brown, because I'd love to get your thoughts on the fact that uh, when we think about diversity in this country, I feel like it's very often um, very strictly kind of an African-American slash black cultural question or a Latino question, but yet the diversity, um, looking at South Asians as representing kind of a diverse constituent, uh, sometimes gets lost. And it's been a very strong year uh, for South Asians kind of at the Oscars, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually think, uh, was it Noor who talked a little bit more about yeah. the women's empowerment and the oh, transgender aspect of... Nor did you want to did you want to add in something on yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Or? I mean, um, just from a, a magazine standpoint, I think that I work at Teen Vogue, and as, as part of Condé Nast, I think one of the things we've really tried to work on this year, or even just in the past few months, really just to kick off 2016, is to have more diversity in the magazines and have that sort of go beyond um, just including someone as like your token token diversity person, if you will. Um, so for our March issue, actually, we did our first feature on, on Indian models, and that was such a big deal. But it was really interesting to me to see how few people actually knew very much about um, just Indian culture and, and Desi culture in general. And I think that uh, diversity is really something that has to go just beyond including um, you know African-American talent into the mix. It really does need to look at other races as well. Um, I think we're starting to do that. I think we have a long, long way to go. Um, but I definitely think that people are becoming aware that it's more its more than just including an, another sort of prominent race that's, that needs, I guess, more attention uh, in America. It's really just about um, reaching out to other places. And I think that everyone's, everyone does want to make more of an effort, but I do think it's going to take a while for it to actually 
be seen, particularly in film. I think it's it's becoming more prominent in fashion, um, even though fashion has a notorious reputation for not being diverse. But I would say that it's it's more balanced in terms of diversity than film. Yeah, well, yeah I agree with that. I think po- that in sorry. Go ahead, Anisha. Oh, um, I was just going to say I, I completely agree with that. Um, and uh, in terms of it um, becoming a little more diverse in film, I mean, I think that's where the real work lies. We see huge strides being made in television. Um, but, you know, I was um, doing a bit of research earlier that, uh, last year for a piece I was doing. And, you know, according to the uh, Hollywood Writers Report in 2014, um you know, South Asian Americans, uh, South Asian Americans are among the lowest. Um, their, their representation is among the lowest in mainstream writers' rooms these days. So I really think that the uh, it has to start. The source has to be in writers' rooms. It's it's about making our own content in order to then be able to um, get that visibility in the mainstream as well. And um, I think that's where the real work lies. Yeah, and I think, this is Nora again, sorry, I think um, just reacting to what you just said, it's really a concerted effort that people have to be making. We can't just sort of hope that it balances out. People really do have to um, put in the time and energy to assure that there are other forms of diversity being represented, and I think it starts with uh, just that conscious effort, and then perhaps in the future it's something that comes more naturally. But definitely from the writer's room, they need to begin with the concept of, okay, what else can we include that we haven't been doing? Um, as opposed to just land up with a South Asian actor. Yeah. Well, and I was going to take it to uh, Gitesh and to uh, uh, to uh, Nimith on this point. You know, when you talk about writers and films and the necessity for diversity, uh, your comments around kind of the economics of Hollywood, do you think that uh, with the Amazons and the uh, emergence of kind of streaming, have you seen... Uh, whether it's with today's special all of a sudden gaining a newer audience, do you feel like that's going to help kind of the South Asian community as well in addition to kind of other traditional uh, diverse constituents? Are you starting to see that happen? Um, this is gonna, I mean, yes, I have. I mean, there are a number of projects uh, that I'm hearing, uh, that, that I know of, um, that are being put together um, across networks uh, that actually have Indian showrunners um, that are creating the pilots and writing them, and, and these are all folks who kind of come up the system the traditional way. Uh, so, and I know that there's there's a large appetite for it. So people are uh, people are starting to get on the bandwagon. Um, you know, whether it's actors like Asif Mandi who've been doing it for like 20 years, uh, co-starring on The Brink, coming off of that show, he's you know he's got uh, well I'm. Uh, He's got a number of projects in the work. Um, I know ABC is actively putting something together uh, with the South Asian writer. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely happening. I think all of the folks who've been toiling and working hard um, within the business are going to have an opportunity to break out with some original stories. Um, I mean, I'm even tinkering with a couple of things uh, that are South Asian-focused that I'm super excited about. Uh, but the good thing is with these new platforms, uh, we have an opportunity to kind of have a global reach out of the box. And more importantly, because of things like Netflix in India, you know, we have a, an ability to monetize uh, mm. that 
those eyeballs. You know, in a way, yeah. the Indian box office and the Chinese box office, you really can't compare them simply because uh, the at least when it comes to English language films performance because of ticket prices and, and currency. Um, but when it comes to Netflix and it comes to Amazon, it comes to these things. Yes, you, you definitely can. So I'm excited about it. Wow. Hey, get this. Let me ask one on this line around South Asians in the in the media. Do you think that Sanjay, Charmin, or Asif have any shot of winning in their categories? Uh, tonight, yeah, absolutely. I think that. Uh, I mean, you might see all three of them win. Uh, I mean, technically speaking, I published my predictions on Friday, and I have all three of them as my picks for uh, winning tonight. Um, Again, you know, we'll see what that happens. But, you know, for Amy, for documentary feature, I mean, Asif Kapadia is a rock star in the world yeah. of documentary features. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's had tremendous success. Uh, and there's not a lot of filmmakers that are, you know, that make documentary features and uh, win all kinds of acclaim and awards. And, you know, it comes from his skill and his talent. He's made tremendous films. So I, I think he's a, a, a big favorite to win for Amy, so we probably will see him. And he's got other projects lined up. Um, and I think that, you know, in the overall business, it's very important that uh, uh, we remember that this is a business at the end of the day, and the yeah. people who are uh, who have the power to make things happen are, you know, not necessarily looking to, uh, um, you know, do things for the betterment of society, although sometimes that's, you know, part of their equation. Most of them are in it for a business reason. Um and if you can sort of understand that and use that to your advantage, any ethnic group, whether it's South Asians or others, uh, can yeah. find ways to get ahead. And it's not going to happen quickly, and it's not going to happen all the time. And, uh, you know, South Asians, to be honest, uh, we're one of the newer ethnic groups in this country. We, you know, a lot of other ethnic groups have been here in this country much longer than us. Yeah. And if you look at what we've accomplished in, you know, the few decades where – We've had a significant population. Obviously, we've been here much longer than that, but as far as significant numbers, it's only been a handful of decades that we've been here uh, in large numbers. And I think we've accomplished a lot, and there's so much more that we'll be accomplishing over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but much of it comes from, uh, like we mentioned before, you know, writers, producers, the people who are actually making um, uh, uh, the projects, uh, green lighting things, uh, studio execs, uh, so on and so forth. Um, you know, that's where a lot of the decision-making comes from. And in the world of diversity, there's so many different diversity options when it comes to, you know, do we fund this South Asian project, this African-American project, this Latino project, so on and so forth. There's a lot of choices out there of what can be uh, funded, what can get a green light, what gets distribution, what does not get distribution, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so having people in the right places, and again, it happens over time, uh, to be able to uh, make those things happen and then having those projects find success, uh, that's important because Hollywood, if there's one thing Hollywood likes, it's success because they copy success all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, success breeds more success. Granted, the studio system do does tend to run the same idea into the ground after a while and then move on to something else. But, uh, you know, good content works. And I think uh, we have more than enough talented South Asian people involved in all different aspects of entertainment. Um, 
and it's important to keep things vocal, to keep uh, to keep in the conversation, and to uh, you know patiently go out there and work on the best projects, which uh, uh, you know get acclaim. Look at Asif Kapadia; he's done a lot of great work, and uh, you know he gets noticed for it. Uh, that can happen to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, one of the three just checking in. We've got about uh, 30 minutes to go in the conversation. Uh, thank you so much for all that you're sharing. We're getting great feedback. One of the questions that came up was, um, how do people um, think that the the, con- the the sequence of the evening is going to go? Is it going to be controversial? Is um, is Chris Rock going to say things? That- <laughs> Uh, oh, absolutely! He's going to lead no with something question. about uh, uh, how white the audience is in front of him. Definitely. <laughs> and isn't it tr- isn't it true that the uh, the Academy, at least, so there's Chris Rock in front of the camera. There's the um, the, the Hudlin brothers, I think, who run, who are running the who are producing the show. Reginald Hudlin yeah. is African American. The president of the uh, Academy is African American, right? Cheryl so Lynn, yeah, yeah. It's all true. It's actually, to me, some of the irony of kind of what has happened, and not to dispute there's not the. I think it's very relevant, and it's a great conversation to be having. But there is some irony to it, especially when uh, Spike Lee was given the Lifetime Achievement Award just a year or two ago, and Twelve Years a Slave also won Best Picture two years ago, uh, and you got Cheryl running the Academy. So it's going to make for a very interesting, I think, nor. I think I think Anisha actually mentioned this one was. I, mean, I don't have the voices straight yet, but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Chris, how he balances both trying to honor film and the fact that he was chosen as the host prior to kind of uh, Oscar So White, but yet I think uh, you know have fun with it as well while making a very important point. So it's, I think that's going to be one of the reasons we're going to see a, a much higher or certainly a slightly higher. Uh, viewership and rating tonight. Well, this is Annette. I just wanted to share one thing um, for listeners as well. So, you now, part of this controversy is not necessarily, is not, it's, it's, it's first and foremost about representation in, in film, right? But there is a larger sort of industry shakeup happening, uh, which involves uh, looking at the actual nominating body, looking at the actual yep. body of Academy members, uh, yep. who are largely white, uh, many of them are male, most of them are male, and they tend to be a lot older. So, uh, And many of the folks have not necessarily been active in the business for a long time. So um, there is a question about whether or not the voting body is actually out of sync with the rest of America. And uh, and so in a, in a when we talk about the president of the Academy being uh, African-American, the producers being act- African-American, and, the, uh, and Chris Rock himself uh, hosting, I'm hoping that they, they, they find the, the, the fine line uh, and they basically jump over it. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty controversial, um, and, you know, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a very memorable night. I think it's a great point on the voting body, and I believe that they have mentioned that they're going to try to make some changes to the voting body. Uh, I'm hoping that the combination of the voting body changes um, that I believe now the the counter-argument is that there's ageism involved, uh, which I think arguments can be made uh, against, but that combined with some of the work that everyone's been talking about in terms of trying to get more diverse representation in 
uh, in the scripts and, and also allowing for a structure that is much broader in terms of like the Amazons and the Netflix that will hopefully lead to a, 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 a real positive change over time, uh, you know, so to speak. You know, if I can jump in for a second about the voting body you were mentioning, uh, another thing to, that's important to remember is the breakdown of how uh, the votes work, the nominations work, and the voting body. Uh, there's obviously a lot of criticism over, uh, you know, the Academy giving all 20 acting nominations to all white actors, and it's two years in a row, so that's 40 uh, nominations that go all white, which is true. Um, we do have to remember that roughly 80% of the Academy members have absolutely nothing to do with that. Uh, the nominations are made by the branch of actors, so they're the only ones who make those nominations. It's roughly maybe, it's over 1,000 members out of 6,000 total uh, Academy members. So, um, you know, these acting nominations come from that group of 1,000-plus actors, and yes, there's some diversity in there, but certainly a vast majority are white actors. Um, but it's uh, it's oftentimes uh, when there are new stories written about all this, it's, it kind of gives off the impression that there's one or two guys sitting there that's you know sort of doing this. Uh, it's actually about 1,100, 1,200 people who collectively vote, and this is what they've come up with uh, two years in a row. Um, so you know, as time goes on, I get this list every summer of who gets invited into the academy every year. It's about 200, 250 every single year. Many members die out year after year. Uh, they get replaced. Uh, new people who win Oscars and get nominations get invited in. So you know, there is that process of uh, the membership becoming more diverse over time. But again, it's going to take a long time before it uh, gets to anything that remotely, remotely resembles the, the population of the U.S., um, and the people that are, uh, you know, getting in, if this is part of the conversation, not just in January, February, when the Oscars get a lot of attention, but the other 10 months of the year, uh, then you might have a better uh, chance of having some actual change happen because, again, you, you know how the news cycle is. People forget about things after a certain while, and they go back to business as usual. So the big challenge is in the other 10 months of the year or nine months of the year, uh, is this an issue that people will bring up, and will that then go into uh, how the, the business operates and how the voting and the nominations operate? Yeah, and this is Nora. Um, again, just to comment on that a little bit, I think we're also we also need to sort of remember what the role of social media kind of has these days. It's obviously incredibly um, powerful and will become increasingly powerful, and I think that that uh, external pressure on the Academy itself will one day probably result in faster changes in terms of who is specifically in the Academy. It's just kind of the old guard, new guard thing um, that is working in tandem a lot with these differences, and I think a lot of the diversity that we've seen that has arisen in the past year has really been, um, like social media has kind of been the driving force behind seeing those concrete changes happen. So it should be interesting to see how how sort of an old establishment is, is moved forward by, by all of these people, particularly like the younger generation that are speaking out. Yeah, Nora, um, I, I definitely think that social media will – it's it's kind of the new voice these days. Um, I think back in, what was it, 90, the late 90s, 1999, um, when it was television that was coming under a lot of fire, I think the NWCP threatened to like boycott um, all the networks because of, um, you know, in a protest uh, against the lack of diversity in the television lineup. 
and um, it like it was going to launch a long-term campaign to fight against it. And um, you know maybe that was their version of an extreme measure back then, but I think now um, the, the voices of audiences and of, of social media, like you said, kind of can take on that role in terms of talking about a long-term um, push against uh, the lack of diversity or the lack of representation. Absolutely, and I think social media is really kind of like almost the best friend of these alternative platforms like we were talking about, Netflix and Amazon. Social media really helps to kind of drive their content, um, shape like revivals of shows and, and what the, all of these other platforms really do listen to what just the general public wants. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also, I think, going back to Gatesh's earlier point, which I think is a great one, and um, this point around social media is terrific because you know, get this point that, hey, at the end of the day, it's about a business. You know, at, at the end of the day, we can talk about, mm-hmm. you know, there should be diversity and can there be diversity. At the end of the day, most of the studios, most of the people that are making films want to make sure that there's a market for it. And I think the, the beauty of social media and these streaming platforms is allowing for these mini markets to start to emerge. Uh, again, you would have never imagined that Straight Outta Compton was going to attract $100 million-plus in ticket sales, you know, at the box office, yeah. or that Master of None was going to attract an audience on uh, on, on Amazon. So, uh, you know, the combination of social media combined with these new platforms are creating kind of business opportunities, mm-hmm. not just artistic opportunities. And that, that's one thing I would, for the listeners that are artists, the one thing I would always recommend, obviously art always should come first and vision, but I think you also need to know who the market is that you're trying to reach and be able to demonstrate why that film or that project is worth investing in beyond just the artistic value, but also what is the merit from a business perspective. Uh, One of the arguments I remember uh, in a conversation I had with Kelly Lee, who ran casting for ABC that eventually brought Priyanka Chopra into a role at Quantico, you know, I was suggesting to her a while back when she had spoken in Sama that you know, it'd be great if she can just start plugging in some talent from India into some of these films that will help demonstrate the international value of the television program. And she goes, Raj, that's great on paper, but I need to defend in a boardroom you know, why I think a program will do better internationally just because I happen to have diverse talent in that, uh, that program. And, of course, it turned out that Quantico is valuable not because of its audience in the U.S., but because they were able to sell it internationally, you know, with half the time that they typically would have with a television program. So that's been a lot of the value. So I think that's that's really important to remember, you know. Absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask all of you about is, you know, we've talked a lot about diversity – but talk about some of these films that you think are that excite you this year. I know someone mentioned they were really excited about Amy. Like I, I, I'm just getting excited about the night and what some of the films are. And I have seen half of the films, but not all of them. So I'd love to go around the table and just talk a little bit about what you guys loved creatively with you know a couple of your favorite films, uh, you know, in the lineup this year. Well, I'll jump in. This is Gitesh over here. Um, uh, uh, Certainly a lot of, uh, you know, great movies. I mean, every year it's a a lot of great movies. Uh, These are the ones that get nominated. Um, You know, I think as far as predictions go, uh, I'm thinking that The Revenant is going to take Best Picture. 
I thought it was a terrific film. It was not my favorite movie of the year. I wouldn't put it number one on my ballot if I were an Oscar voter. But certainly it's, uh, it, it's a ter- tremendous piece of work. Uh, production-wise, to, to pull it off uh, was amazing. And, and, you know, it has that gravitas, which I think is an important factor when it comes to best picture voting. Um, you know, Spotlight is also a terrific film. Great movie. When I saw it in October or whenever it was, I thought, this is a fantastic movie. I can see why it's getting great reviews. However, I don't see this working as well with Oscar voters because they do tend to look for that gravitas in the films that they honor Best Picture with. Um, And Revenant seems to have some of that, uh, and certainly a lot of the production uh, values of putting that together. Uh, if If you remember, the voting body of the Academy has so many different branches of people involved in different aspects of filmmaking, uh, who might get behind this film and the production value. It has the most uh, um, nominations with 12 across all these different categories, so that's a big one. Um, here's what I think will happen tonight, and I think I'm in the minority here, but I'm going to – well, I'm used to that my whole life anyway. But, but I'm going to go with this, uh, uh, this choice, and that is that I think that they're going to split – By the way, for split... all the listeners, i got to say, I always call Gitesh Bandia the most quoted man in U.S. T- uh, in U.S. print and television when it comes to films. It always blows me away, Gitesh. <laughs> and I'm sending my lawyers after you because you should be staying in the world, okay? You're going to hear them from my lawyers. I've got Trump's lawyers. They're the best. They're huge. They're fantastic. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. I thought we had a no Trump rule. I, I broke that rule. Uh, anyway, my original point was that I think that they're going to split picture and director. Uh, I think most people believe it'll go to the same film, but I just have this feeling that George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road might take home director for what he accomplished wow. in that production. Uh, I mean, I think definitely it wins in you know production design and makeup and hair and editing and a lot of other places, uh, five or six total wins. But I have this feeling that he might take home uh, Best Director. Uh, Inyaritu did a, an, an amazing job with The Revenant, uh, certainly deserves to be nominated. Um, I'm not sure. I think a lot of the Oscar voters might say, you know what, we just gave him the Oscar last year. Uh, yeah. We don't necessarily need to give it to him two years in a row, and that almost never happens in Oscar history. Um, whereas with uh, Mad Max Fury Road, there's so much love across the board among these voters for that that we might see a split with uh, with Revenant and Mad Max on the top end with a picture and director. Wow. I, I was surprised at Mad Max's uh, nomination, but I was thrilled for it. So I just have to add that in there. Was there anything that you were surprised was not nominated? Well, you know, you mentioned before uh, Straight Outta Compton. Uh, yeah. That surprised me, too. Uh, I didn't think it was a shoe-in to get a Best Picture nomination, but I thought that it was uh, it, it had a good chance. Uh, basically, the way that the system is set up, you have maybe uh, eight, nine or so pictures uh, get nominated, um, and every year there's about 15 or so on a short list that might be up there, and there's always a small handful that might be there. They end up not being there. Uh, and this year, Straight Outta Compton was one of them. But another reason why I thought that film might make the cut for Best Picture, besides being a solid movie, is that it's very L.A. oriented. Yeah. And I think that uh, you know the, the voting body is very L.A. oriented, and I think they would understand it and uh, be, maybe connect to it a little bit more. Granted, I'm sure the bulk of the Academy, uh, uh, the producers and, and the voters are not. Um, maybe huge fans of NWA back in the day, but they know of them and they know of their legacy and how they uh, contributed to the music scene and so on. So I was a little bit surprised that uh, that film wasn't up there. The other movie I was surprised about was Sicario. 
that was one of my favorite films yes. from last year yeah. about the Mexican drug trade and drug cartels and so on. Uh, you, you know, the scene at the U.S.-Mexico border when they're coming back into the U.S. is one of the most tension-filled scenes of any film last year. It, it was uh, just amazingly executed. And the film overall was great. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, many thought might get an acting nomination this year. Um, didn't happen. But uh, as far as the film goes, I was surprised that didn't uh, uh, make the cut uh, for Best Picture. Um, Nimitz or Anisha? I, 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 no, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm actually I'm surprised. Gonna, sorry. Go ahead, Anisha. Sorry. I was, I was actually going to say I agree with you on the Sicario. Um, either, uh, I was actually surprised Brooklyn made the cut and Sicario didn't. Yeah. Um, that was one of my big surprises looking at the nomination list. Um but sorry if I'm going off on a tangent here, but if uh, I think um, if we were to look at the whole list and I was to pick out some of my favorites, um, I would say Spotlight, Amy, and actually Mustang in the foreign language yeah, category. Um, those would probably be my three favorites out of um, any of the nominations this year. Unfortunately, I don't think Mustang was actually seen by that many people Um to gain that much traction, so I'm not. I haven't got high hopes for it to win, but um, I would still highly recommend it to anybody who comes across it. No, I would have. Think? I mean, I definitely think that there have been sort of these mini sort of indie pop culture moments around um, movies like Mustang, and then you have there was just a lot of uh, commentary around Amy. Of course, I'm excited to see what happens with. Both of those, even though I agree with Anisha that Mustang probably didn't gain enough traction to actually win, um, but I do think it's it's interesting that it's been nominated. It's interesting to see if people talk about it. Um, in terms of other movies, I'm interested to see. I think The Danish Girl was just really interesting uh, in terms of those issues that we had spoken about earlier, really pushing the envelope on um, a lot of the gender things that we are are talking about in sexuality, and I think Carol and The Danish Girl, it'll be interesting to see if either one of those movies win anything because um, it is just such an important, um, you know, it, it's the side-along topic aside from diversity. That's, that's the bigger one these days that are we're trying to introduce and normalize uh, in society, so I think it should be interesting to see um, what the reaction is around that. Thanks, we have a question from Twitter. Han Solo. Hey, Shree, before Han Solo, I just wanted to have Nimitz comment real quick, just to yeah, sure. it off. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I have to say that out of all of you, uh, I'm probably the biggest sentimental dork. Because uh, for me, I was surprised that Inside Out didn't end up getting a nomination. Because yeah. for me, yeah. for me, that was that was by <laughs> far one of the most creative, inventive <laughs> pieces of storytelling I've seen in so long. And uh, you know, I've got seven nieces and nephews and uh, I've watched the movie probably ten times and only twice with them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I was just going to add, I I feel like uh, I was really excited to see Mad Max actually nominated. Uh, It's very different for the Academy and uh, and I got to say and I I love The Revenant uh, for that matter but I was actually really surprised, and I know this would have been an outlier, but uh, with some bias, I was really surprised that Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, which has not come up in this conversation, uh, uh, was not nominated for nothing but the fact that it has, of all the topics we're discussing, it probably is the most influential piece of film uh, and franchise in the world. Uh, 
you know, when you talk about defining uh, right and wrong and the force, um, a lot of the research that I've seen, uh, you know, over the past three, four years, no film has probably had a more dramatic impact around the world and the lives of how parents talk about good and evil with their kids in that film. And I thought J.J. Abrams deserved some kind of recognition for how brilliantly he put that film back together um, in spite of, I know, some of the issues that uh, purists had. Um, uh, so that that will be the one comment I'll make. It would have been nice. To also, see the that great diversity in its cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, have in, in some ways, folks, it feels like a self-inflicted wound. They had movies right in front of them and big Hollywood stars that they could have honored, yeah. including Will Smith in uh, Concussion. Uh, you know, in uh, Concussion, and that's a topic that generally people are interested in now. You've got the Star Wars with the diversity. So they could have been, there were lots of diverse, worthy movies. And as you know, one of the reasons why uh, African Americans especially been upset that uh, the NWA movie gets nominated, but it's only for the two white screenwriters. Uh, Creed gets nominated, but it's only for Sylvester Stallone. So it's like, that's what I'm saying, kind of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, we have only a couple of minutes left here. Khan Solo has written to us, not Han Solo, but Khan Solo. Uh, Micah Khan says, do you think the involvement of Hollywood in Bollywood will change the way we make movies? For example, Scorsese's involvement in Bombay Velvet. Uh, this is Raj. Uh, you know, I think it's already starting to happen uh, more at the infrastructure level, uh, the way films are starting to get financed, uh, some of the contractual requirements now to, to develop films, uh, the greater interaction in terms of producer team, producing teams uh, and, and uh, casting teams, and the fact that you're continuing. This has been going on for five, ten years. It goes to Gideon's point that it takes a long time that you've had studios like, uh, you know, Disney Studios, uh, Paramount, Fox, all developing major JVs in India. Uh, the one the one point I'll make... Oh, go ahead, Shri. No, I would say the one point I'll make is the one observation I've heard from in it being in India, and I'll make it really quick, and meeting with a lot of people, a lot of folks are like, you know, do we really care? Um, there's been such a, even though there have been issues with the Bollywood uh, box office numbers, the reality is they're, they're opening up their world to the international market and are quite happy and pleased with kind of all the opportunities that exist in India. Uh, and they've been influenced by Hollywood in a good way in that their storytelling has become much more sophisticated. But they're saying, do we really need Hollywood beyond the reason for ego? There's more than enough business for Amir Khan right now where he says, I have no interest in doing any work in America at all. So it's it's just an interesting dynamic right now between the two. You know, that's such a good point because I remember reading that an interview Priyanka Chopra did right around the beginning of Quantico. A lot of journalists were labeling her, labeling her as having been having become a breakout star, um, having finally like made it, quote unquote, because she was now in Hollywood. And she said something interesting: how she didn't really consider her transition into yeah. doing Quantico as breaking out into anything. She said that it was really she was captivated by the story and she just wanted to portray this character. Um, but she didn't. She she was really quick to sort of correct people in saying that Hollywood is no longer for her, or maybe for other actors, the end all be all goal for being an actor. Yeah, I think what's more exciting right yeah. now, rather than um, you know India and Hollywood kind of 
um, meeting halfway. It's, it's, if we're talking about India and Bollywood, it's it's more about the kind of widening of parameters um, yeah. of what the audience is receptive to in India. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting a whole new ranges of films over there. I mean, everything from you know last year, if you think about Piku, and if you think about Court and Masan, and even more recently Aligarh. Like these are these are treatments of stories. These are subject matters that. You know, even 10 years ago, we wouldn't have seen. And so I think what, what's really encouraging is not, um, you know, what Indian stars or writers or producers are doing to make their way into the West. It's more like what they're doing with, at home itself um, to appeal to a broader audience. So this leads to an interesting question that maybe we can answer in our last few minutes, is that we've talked about today how the Oscars sometimes aren't representative of what the American or global moving going population is like. Um, Hollywood might not even be like for much longer um, the most powerful moving making industry um, you know in on the world, especially when like it's Bollywood, et cetera. So are the Oscars or is the show that we're gonna watch tonight still relevant, culturally speaking? <laughs> so folks, as you answer that I just want to note the time. You know, we have about five minutes left and how uh, the Blog Talk Radio system works is that we, um, at, at noon, will get cut off. Eastern Time will get cut off on the live stream, but the entire conversation and whatever we say after 12 o'clock will continue to be recorded and will be in our permanent archive, including a terrific uh, set of comments from Charmaine Obed that we have recorded, that Geetika recorded with her. So why don't we make this uh, uh, final answer, the, her question, and your final thoughts, and you can take your time. And then we'll just, uh, so if you're listening live, we're going to get cut off in about three minutes. Thank you for listening to us if you're listening live. And uh, please send us feedback and follow us, Saja HQ and at Sama Org. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Saja at Columbia.edu is our email address. Thank you very much. And let's have each person uh, walk through their final uh, their answer and their final thoughts for the conference. Thank you so much for doing this. Gitesh, do you want to start with an answer to that? Uh, is, is, uh... Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I, I think the Oscars will uh, remain relevant for a while. Uh, the level of relevancy is very subjective. Uh, you know, we have to remember that the Oscars are, you know, the Academy is a private group. These are the awards that they do for themselves. And whether or not the rest of the world cares, that's up to us. So we can choose not to care if we want, and many people don't care. Um, uh, but you know they're going to continue to do what they do and honor what they honor, and yeah, I, I think a, a large number of people uh, continue to like what's going on for different reasons. Whether it's the f- uh, what films get awarded, uh, the fashion part of it is is a, is a lot of dollars at stake right there. The branding and the the business side of it. There are many different elements that will still be relevant. Um, but you know I think that uh, you know people should take out of it what they want to. It's not part of the you know public. Uh, domain or, or, or like a government-funded thing. It's a private yeah. thing, and people like it, and uh, they should enjoy it for what it is. And uh, whatever feelings we have about it, we should be vocal about it, and we should uh, speak up, uh, because if we don't, no one's going to listen if, if they don't hear other points of view. So uh, I think it'll still be relevant, and I think for tonight, um, you know, you might see about 40 million people view, uh, tuning in in the U.S. alone, uh, and that makes one of the biggest TV broadcasts of oh, the entire year. So, what's happening? So uh, this is Nimit. Um I, I agree. I think you know there's no award show 
or event that happens in the film industry that is bigger than the Oscars, and I think that's going to continue. This, 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 the Oscars provide such a tremendous opportunity for for films that are known and lesser known to get celebrated, uh, and it gives additional economic life to these pictures. Uh, so as long as that's the case, I think uh, it's going to stay very relevant, and um, I think we're at a moment where things will probably see an adjustment, but I think, you know, it'll continue to be a major part of, uh, of filmgoers and filmmakers' lives. And if I could just jump in with one last comment, which I just remembered, is that next year's Oscars, uh, look for Birth of a Nation to be a major player in yeah. the campaign, in the yeah, season, uh, a, a major film out of Sundance uh, about a slave rebellion, which has won awards and is opening in October. And, you know, I think you're going to see between acting and directing and picture and all different categories, you're going to see a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, a love from the Academy for that film next year. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, 20 for 20 all white people next year. That's my prediction. Anisha, what do you think? Is that... um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the Oscars being relevant, um, you know, everybody pretty much uh, voiced my opinion on that. I think it is treading on a bit of thin ice right now. Um, I remember when the nominations got announced earlier this year, um, my Facebook and Twitter feeds were just exploding with people saying, "I'm not watching this year. You know, forget that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm boycotting basically." And after some reflection, I don't think that's the way to really go about it either. Um, but because at the end of the day, as you know, as much as we love to hate the Oscars, let's face it, there's always going to be something about the Oscars, whether it's diversity, whether it's you know anything. We're, there's always going to be something we find to disapprove of or pick at about it. But there's no denying that there is a history that's built up and a certain level of prestige. You're not going to see, um, you know, the word Oscar winner on a billboard and not, you know, not place a higher value on the actor or the film that's being advertised. Um, so it does still, I think, bear a certain weight. Um, do you think in terms of what you were saying uh, about Birth of a Nation, I, I've heard amazing things. I haven't seen it. It was all over it from Sundance. Um, what I would like to see, though, in the future is, you know, I would like to see a project like that being organized, but hopefully, um, you know, when it comes to minorities, when it comes to African American um, being represented in film, hopefully it's not just a matter of the Academy recognizing those films that these um, feminist historical figures, like that they had to do something major, um, you know, in, in the history of the country in order to be recognized now. It, it shouldn't be seen as in hindsight, you know, it should be seen kind of as. Who are they now? What are they contributing now? If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. It does. I was going to add, I, I agree with everyone's comments as well. I think it's... Uh, I think uh, there's a great deal of relevance for the uh, for the uh, I was going to say the Grammys, but for the Oscars. Uh, I think, uh, and I think Gitesh's point is a great one, which is you know we have to look at it through whichever lens we want to choose to look at it. The Oscars uh, really are uh, emanating from the United States and certainly aren't a be all and end all of films. There's an entire other set of another whole other world with their own set of films uh, where other awards uh, take know take precedence but uh i think it will continue to become be very relevant and i think in fact the whole discussion around oscar so white actually is not just a great thing but i think it it actually shows uh oscars as a representation of what's happening now 
Uh, I don't think five or ten years ago that a film like Carol or Danish Girl would have gotten nominated. Now we don't even think about it, um, and it's just there. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, and I think um, uh, I think that for all the marketing reasons, as a platform from a television perspective, fashion perspective, studio perspective, it will continue to be relevant, and hopefully, it will just reflect more more relevance as time goes on. Um, Nor, you know, just quickly, what do you think? Do you think if the Oscars didn't exist, it would have a huge impact on the fashion world? Um, I'm sorry, if the Oscars didn't exist, would it have? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If, if the Oscars were no longer exist or become irrelevant, how would that right. impact like the world of fashion? Yeah, um, I mean, of course, award season is such a such a big moment for uh, red carpet fashion. It's all about the glamour and everything like that. I don't really. Um, I think for kind of couturiers, it's really like a great way for new people to get their designs out there. We've seen a lot of, in fact, South Asian designers. Um, become more internationally popular because of award ceremonies like the Oscars, like um, Anish and Manish Malotra and stuff internationally, and Sazani and Chain and Naeem Khan, and you have all of these sort of great uh, South Asian specific designers that are known for for sort of dolling people up for the red carpet. Um, but I do think that that is that is very specific to like a type of fashion. I think right now fashion is uh, just really being influenced by. Um, Honestly, a lot of street style and minority culture at the moment, and, and it's really just kind of interesting to see how um, different races and cultures, um, how they're kind of responding to that. I think in a lot of ways this even seeps into the music industry um, with, you know, like the formation video that Beyonce just did, and it's kind of this concept of, like, keep your hands off of, of my personal pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that the fashion industry is really going through right now, like cultural appropriation versus appreciation. Um, and that's that's just really kind of relevant. But in terms of, of the Oscars and award ceremonies, it's definitely a chance to see beautiful fashion, but I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like an indicator of great change if it were to not be there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Gidiger, can we, uh, the great. one comment before we wrap up, I, I would love for uh, Nimitz to mention, because he made a point to me on a, on a, in a social context, kind of the role of film today and the you know in terms of its there's something about the cinematic experience that I thought is just a really nice note to uh, mark on this call and uh, I was course. hoping maybe you could mention that uh Nimitz, uh as we kind of come to a close oh <laughs> um well I'm trying to remember the conversation now uh but you know I think that I think we were talking about uh we were talking about this crop of uh, films that are up for Best Picture, and you know, we were talking about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance and um, and sort of him getting nominated and and the films that like The Revenant that are up there. Uh, and I think what was really interesting is this year we have probably amongst the most cinematic films that we've had in a long time. Um, I mean, just purely like the spectacle of cinema. Uh, when you look at something like, like The Revenant, you know, where you have a main character who has probably five lines through the entire movie. Um, and, you know, the filmmaking uh, absolutely that went behind a film like Spotlight, which is, you know, paced like this beautiful thriller um, that opens up into itself. I, and even Mad Max, Fury Road, uh, there was just a quality to the films that um, was just elevated. These are movies that needed to be seen in the theater to be completely, you know, to, to completely feel them. And so... Um, I'm kind of excited about I'm excited that 
that those films have gotten recognized, but I also was very excited about uh, just, I felt like, I felt like cinema is making a comeback, you know, especially compared to all the wonderful television that we have. Um, you can't get the stuff that these guys got in these movies on TV. You know, that's, yeah, that's a I good point. Were, sorry, sorry, yeah. Go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think there was definitely a moment of uh, just kind of in the last few years being like TV is completely surpassing film and the film industry is um, just kind of ageist in comparison. But I definitely think this year's crop of films, um, aesthetically and content-wise, definitely challenges that um, just sort of thought in general. Yeah. Last week when I last week when I spoke to Charmaine, um, she said something that really resonated with me, and I think that has sort of been the undercurrent of our conversation today. She said that it's the role of any society to be able to think critically about itself, discuss critically about itself. And what she said was that film, more often than not, or cinema, becomes the catalyst through which we have these discussions. Um, so in that light, I don't see the Oscars or cinema going anywhere. Um, that being said, perhaps it could be a good transition to listen to the interview that I did. I think that's perfect. Please? Yeah, definitely. Well, let's just say, Githish, thank Please. you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for a great, great, great discussion Thanks. on this year, and I think it's a perfect note to end this, this conversation. We covered a lot of ground. And uh, Shri, I don't know if you want to close mm-hmm. it, uh, with any comments to our audience before Githika goes to the interview with Charmaine. Sure. No, thank you very much. And I, I apologize. We're at home with our pet, and so you might have heard me talking while I thought we were on mute. So I apologize, folks. Uh, just this is what happens, kind of Saja family style over here. Uh, but want to thank our wonderful speakers um, uh, and uh, wish, uh, especially Nimit, the very best of luck uh, with uh, his, with the awards tonight. Uh, Nimit Mankad, you can follow him on Twitter, N-I-M-I-T-T, at Nimit. And uh, we want to thank Gitesh Pandya, Saja member and CEO and editor-in-chief of BoxOfficeGuru.com. Anish Javeri calling in all the way from Singapore at Javani S on Twitter. Thanks very much. And Noor Brara, who's at Noor, B-R-A-R-A, of Teen Vogue. Thank you very much. And our uh, co-host and partner in crime, Rajan Shah, Rajan C. Shah on Twitter. And Sama is at Sama Org. And we're going to leave this with Geetika going to her interview with Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, who is a former Oscar winner already, a one-time Oscar winner, and we hope she'll make it two in a row with A Girl in the River. Thanks very much, everybody, and over to Geetika. Thank you, Have a great night. So, yeah. So I spoke to Charmaine last week, and she was in New York for literally less than a day, and I was lucky to get a hold of her. So here's our conversation. Hello. Hello, is this Charmaine? This is. Hi, this is Geetika Rudra calling from the South Asian Journalists Association. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. You are welcome. I follow you on Twitter and I saw that you landed in New York earlier today. So welcome. Uh, while I'm leaving New York tonight. Oh my gosh, that's so quick. <laughs> Going back to Pakistan. Oh. Yeah, so it's a very short welcome, but thank you. <laughs> and also congratulations. 
Thank you. Um, so for those of our listeners who may not know, you were just nominated for your second Academy Award for A Girl in the River, The Price of Forgiveness, which was nominated for Best Documentary Short. Um, I wanted to take this time to talk a little bit about the film. Um, I read that the main character, Saba, was found in a river with a gunshot wound to her face. Um, and this is sort of the catalyst that brought, that, you know, begins her story. Could you tell us a little bit about who is Saba and how did you find her story? Well, I've been wanting to do a film about honor killings for a very long time, but it's very hard to find um, survivors of honor killings because almost all the victims die. So one day I was reading in the newspaper that a young woman had been shot in what appeared to be uh, a attempted honor killing and uh, had been thrown in a river in a gunny bag and had somehow miraculously survived. And so when I read that, um, I found out which hospital she had been taken to, and my team and I uh, then arrived there a few days later, uh, got permission from the hospital and from uh, Saba to begin documenting her life. So what are honor killings? So, you know, honor killings happen around the world, um, Mm -hmm. even here in the United States and Canada. Um, in the United Kingdom, um, you know, in societies where um, men feel that um, a woman has shamed them in some way, whether it is by breaking some unwritten rules, uh, you know, by choosing to marry at their own free will or getting a divorce, or if they suspect them of having some uh, illicit quote-unquote relationships with other men, um, you know, the, the definition of honor killings is very fluid um, and it changes from community to community, but it always rests with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you find that globally um, you have between five to 7,000 women who are killed every year in the name of honor. Um, and, um, you know, in the UK alone, in the last uh, five years, there have been instances 11,000 instances of uh, honor crimes, not just killings, mm-hmm. not simply killings, but any any violence that's related to honor. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is a phenomena that, uh, you know, is, is associated with a deeply patriarchal society or when men want to control women. Mm-hmm. A lot of your work deals with this theme of gender inequality, um, imbalances and op- of opportunity that are given to men or women, um, particularly in Pakistan. Why do you think it's so important to discuss this issue? I think that um, it is very important as a society to have difficult conversations, uh, to bring bring to the fore issues that tear at the very fabric of a country. Um, I think that women make up 50% of the population anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And that uh, even today, even in 2016, uh, they do not have basic rights uh, that should be accorded to them. Whether we talk about countries that are at war or whether we talk about countries that are developing or the first world, Mm -hmm. um, right here in the United States, women do not have control over their own bodies. Um, There is a raging debate about abortion and the rights surrounding that. Um, I think that, you know, the perspective really to me is no different than uh, the rights that some women are devoid of in other countries. 
So I think that it's important to talk about these issues because if we don't talk about them as a society, how will we work towards finding solutions for them? How will we legislate for them? How will we change attitudes towards mm-hmm. them? Um, I think you're also owed a second congratulations because after A Girl in the River was nominated um, for an Oscar, Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif had announced that he was going to take the initiative to pursue legislation or action against honor killings. You met with him recently, is that correct? Um, I met with the Prime Minister a few days ago, and uh, he reiterated uh, his desire to plug the loopholes that exist in the law. He was very categorical in saying that there is no place for honor killings in Islam, that it goes against the teachings of a religion that gives its women the freedom uh, to get married out of choice, the freedom to divorce, um, how is that possible uh, that they would that that it, that a religion that gives women so many rights would condone honor killings? Um, and uh, he had made a promise to hold the first screening of the film um, at the prime minister's secretariat, and that film that screening is going to take place um, on Monday in Pakistan in Islamabad. Now that's amazing. Um, when your nomination was announced, you tweeted. Pakistan, we are going to the Oscars. And I remember being struck by the inclusiveness of that tweet. I felt that this award or this nomination wasn't just for you or your career, but also for your country. Um, Could you expand on that? You know, um, I've always uh, felt that um, it is important to represent uh, the country that I was born into. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I am going to be representing two countries um, when I'm at the Oscars because I'm Pakistani-Canadian. And um, I also um, have lived for many years in Canada and value the human rights and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the champions that they have been uh, for so many uh, things over the, over the years. So for me, with Pakistan and going to the Oscars, I always wear Pakistani outfits. I try and represent the many facets of that country. Mm -hmm. And yes, even in 2012, Pakistan went to the Oscars because if you remember my speech, it was all about Pakistan and the country. And and this year too, um, you know, our whole team is going to the Academy Awards, but more importantly, we're taking with us the spirit um, that the Prime Minister has... um, taken this brave and bold statement um you know he's come out um and he's going to work on legislation it shows that we as a country are able to identify our problems and then work on finding solutions for them that's amazing um really again congratulations for i guess getting that change or being you know the catalyst for that change your work talks a lot or speaks to this issue of gender inequality um gender diversity, and it's hard to sort of separate the question of diversity. In this year's Oscars, um, I'm I'm sure you're aware, there was a lot of pushback after they announced the nominees, saying that most of the nominees for major categories were male, um, they were white. Um, After the fact, the hashtag OscarsSoWhite was trending on Twitter for a number of days, and a number of people commented on the lack of minority or um, representation in the in the academy what are your thoughts on that 
you know, I think the Academy is reflective of Hollywood as a whole, and you mm-hmm. cannot uh, blame the Academy. Um, you have to look at Hollywood and look at the roles that it assigns, look at the major uh, studios and the kind of scripts and the kind of um, films that come out every year. I think actually there is a lot of diversity this year in the cat- in other categories. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at um, the live-action short category, if you look at the documentary short category, mm-hmm. um, you know, there is diversity. But it's not in the major kind of best picture or best actor or best actress, but in the smaller categories where the entry point uh, and the threshold of entry is much lower, you do find diversity in there. You know, a lot of our listeners are aspiring um, journalists and filmmakers who are also, who happen to be South Asian, and and there are not that that many um, role models um, out there, such as yourself. What, What would be a what would be like the biggest piece of advice you might give someone who's just starting out? Look, I have always um, thought that um, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. You make your own destiny. Um, you know, I was born and raised in Pakistan. I, I have, you know, went to college in America and lived in Canada. But I, you know, it's it's I didn't come from the system. And I think that you have to knock on many doors and you have to continue knocking. And if one door doesn't open for you, you literally have to kick it open. You have to make your own opportunities. Um, no one is going to hand you anything. And it's not an easy path, but it doesn't mean that you can't get there. I mean, if you look at the Academy Awards this year, there are a number of South Asians who have been there nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Asif Kapadia has been nominated. I have been nominated uh, for Sanjay Super Team. Uh, Sanjay Patel. Uh, you know, yeah. Sanjay has been nominated. So there are South Asians who have been nominated. Um, you know, and I think that three, that's a good number this year. Um, you know, and I, and I think that, uh, I think that each one of us has made our own destiny. Um, so to your listeners, I would say that it's very possible to get that. It's very possible to have a long and successful career in this, but you have to persevere. Great. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time because you have a flight later today, <laughs> but... Again, thank you so much. No, thank you. And A Girl in the River debuts on HBO March 7th, correct? Absolutely. And I hope Great. everybody will tune in. We will. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to a Saja webcast. You can catch all our activities at saja.org and sajaforum.org. Our email is saja at columbia.edu. We'll leave you with the musical stylings of Cooper Madison of coopermadison.com. <laughs>